Hi, you're listening to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Ogden, Utah. My name is John Draskovic. I'm the pastor here. And what you'll hear is the message, the sermon from the week's worship before. And uh, you can always check out the full service that has the music and our prayers and liturgy on our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, you can just search First Presbyterian Church Ogden and you can find us there. We've got all our services recorded, including the, the most recent um, live stream of our, of our service. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you find it to be a blessing. Hey, welcome to the third week of Advent here. And this week we're going to be talking about three texts. The uh, Isaiah 35 passage from the lectionary, which is really a message about hope for the future. A second exodus, God making a way in the wilderness. The epistle for the lectionary is from the letter from James today. And it's talking about endurance in a time of suffering and trial. And then the final reading, the scripture that we'll be looking at, is from Matthew's Gospel where John the Baptist is in prison and he sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one for whom uh, it was written, the one who is to come? Are you the Messiah? And really what I think is going on here is uh, we get to see within John himself, as kind of a background character, this hope for the future and endurance during time of suffering and trial. And I think it's it's a paradigm for being human that we all second-guess ourselves. We all struggle. We all um, we, we have doubts, and that's, that's part of being a human being and certainly part of the life of faith and not something to be ashamed of. And so we really, we really go into that and we talk about it. Um, and I, I, was, uh, I was really excited about this week's message because uh, I think it's, it's so, uh, so important and so instrumental in the life of faith that we all have this experience and we don't need to be ashamed of it, but we can we can live confidently in light of it. I apologize, I'm a little ill this week, so I sound like you know I've been smoking two packs a day for the last couple of days. But I hope that this uh, message and these scriptures are edifying and upbuilding for you in your walk with Jesus this week. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Holy God, your prophets have long spoken of the one who is to come, the one who would save us. And now your promise is fulfilled. Now your kingdom has come near. Send us as messengers of your way to go and tell the world of the wonders that we have seen, the good news that we have heard. Lord, in this dry and dusty place, in this desert, pour out the power of your spirit so that your word may blossom in our lives. And we pray this through Jesus Christ, our way in the wilderness. Amen. So this is the third week in Advent, and we are kind of turning the corner. Advent usually has two halves to it. The first half looking towards the second coming of Christ. The second half is looking towards Christ's coming that happened 2,000 years ago. And there are actually uh, three scriptures that I'm going to lift up today. I had Rick read the Isaiah, the Old Testament passage for us, um, which speaks about this 
exuberance, this hope, this joyful way, this highway that's going to be made in the wilderness. And a wilderness to the people that Isaiah was speaking to basically meant the desert. Think if you just took I-70 and kept going west, a stream would water it and it'd become like an oasis. That's the vision that, uh, that Isaiah had. Well, the epistle reading for, day, for today is from the letter of James. And James is talking about patient endurance during times of suffering. And so I want to read this for you. James says, be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. Like the farmer who waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rain. So you must be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. And as an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And so we've got this Isaiah passage that's filled with the hope for that time of, and you've got this James passage that talks about patient endurance of suffering. And the gospel today is from Matthew that speaks of a prophet, and it holds these two together. Excuse me. It speaks about the wisdom of the spiritual life. Because, you know, we, we're human beings that need food. We need water. We need shelter. And our souls need the same. Remember Jesus' words, human beings don't live on bread alone, but by the word that comes from the mouth of God. And the wisdom of the spiritual life is that all of us, the human experience is filled with both joy and sorrow. Life is a grace-filled vocation and a long, often painful endurance. It's an obedience in the same direction. And so I want to read for you this Matthew passage that holds these two together. This is speaking, (coughs) excuse me, it's from Matthew chapter 3. It's speaking when John the Baptist, remember crazy Uncle John from last week? He's in prison. And he sends his disciples to talk to Jesus. When John heard in prison that what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples. And they said to him, are you the one who is to come? Are you the one that we're waiting for? Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and tell him what you see. Blind receive sight, lame walk. Lepers cleansed, the deaf hear, dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. And as these disciples of John went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds. He was talking about John. What did you all go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go to see? Someone dressed in soft, luxurious robes? Look, those who wear the soft robes are in royal palaces. Come on, what did you go out there to see? A prophet. Yeah. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it's written, I'm sending a messenger ahead of you who will prepare a way for you. And truly, I tell you, among those born of women, No one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. 
This is John who just earlier baptized Jesus. We didn't get that part of the story. John the Baptist, among whom no one greater is born among women. It's also John who has run square into the darkness of this world as he sits languishing in prison because he crossed a powerful man. John, even the one among whom no one born of women is greater, has doubts. He's having second thoughts. This maybe this isn't how things are supposed to go. I'm in prison. How did this happen? As a matter of fact, he never gets his freedom again. The next time we hear of John, it's when he's being beheaded. And yet Isaiah offers these words of encouragement to Israelites in a dark place. They are in a new kind of captivity, a new kind of darkness. Isaiah speaks about a second exile being led through the desert. And you can almost imagine them when they're hearing this and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute here, Isaiah. We have already been in slavery once before. And yet here we are again. Thanks for the second exodus, but we've already been there, got the t-shirt, no thank you. What the heck happened? How did we end up here? Was this really how it was supposed to be? Have you ever felt that way? Is this really how it was supposed to be? How did things get here? How did I get here? Where did things go off the rails? How did they get so bad? I want you to take a moment and put yourself in John the Baptist's shoes. He had staked his whole life on God sending a Messiah, and that Jesus, this carpenter's son from a backwater in Nazareth, was God's anointed. And now life threw him a serious curveball named Herod, because he had the gall to speak truth to power. And he maintained his integrity and found himself in a dark prison. You got to imagine He's having some serious second thoughts about his life choices. And so I ask, have you ever had one of those waves crash over you where you have serious second thoughts about your life's choices? Those hypothetical what ifs. Because I never thought things were going to end up that way. What, What if I was wrong? What if I put all of my eggs in the wrong basket? And I know I've had a few moments like this in my life. (coughs) And that wave of despair, of despondency, man, it can crash hard down on you. It can feel overwhelming. It can feel like you are floating out in the ocean without rescue. Honestly, it, it can feel like you're dying. And I think, I wonder, maybe this is what John was going through when he sent those disciples to go and talk to Jesus to ask him, did I make some really bad choices? Are you really the one? Please tell me. 
And then Jesus said, look what you see and look what you hear. I wonder if where John was is the same place that the disciples were on that Good Friday and that Holy Saturday when the man that they had placed all of their eggs in his basket had been crucified. They're wondering if everything had just gone horribly wrong and they were way off base. I wonder if Jesus felt this way when he was in the garden, when he was praying, Lord, take this cup away from me. I don't want to do this. I wonder if this feeling is somehow part of what it means to be a human being. Those doubts, those second guessing of yourself, the wrestling that we do inside. I think that's just part of being on planet Earth. And so let me be clear about this because uh, I, I hear people talk about this sometimes in what I think is really unhealthy ways. Faith and doubt go hand in hand. Uh, there's a great uh, author named Frederick Beekner who said, uh, doubt are the ants in the pants of faith. They go together. And if John, crazy Uncle John, second-guessed himself, and if Jesus wrestled in that garden not 100% sure, maybe it's okay if we do the same thing too. Maybe doubt is all right. Because our faith claim as followers of Jesus is not that there is no darkness in the world. Our faith claim is that Jesus, the light of the world, came into the darkness, and the darkness does not, will not, cannot overcome it. Our faith claim is not, is not that God rescues us from the pain and suffering of life, our faith claim is that the God we know in Jesus shields us from nothing, sustains us in everything. So don't try to pretend that this world is all puppy dogs and ice cream. There is darkness here, and it can feel like we're out afloat on the ocean alone without hope of rescue. Let's not bury our heads in the sand on this. And yet we are told that God will find a way. He'll make a highway in the wilderness. He will bring up waters and it'll make a river and it'll water an oasis there for us. We're promised that God gives light in the darkness. And this is one of those paradoxical Christian mysteries. The darkness is real, and yet somehow God is at work in it. And maybe part of the pattern that we are being shown, that we are helping, being, being led through in this story of Israel, of the story of John the Baptist and the story of Jesus, is that the way out of the darkness is actually into the darkness. That you have to go down into it in order to come through it. And the journey through the wilderness, the second guessing, the doubts, that part of being human somehow shapes us. It can be a teacher. It can actually transform us if we let it. 
that whatever our experience of the darkness is, and it's going to be different for each one of us, whether it's loneliness, pain, addiction, anxiety, physical suffering, emotional suffering, loss, that's actually a necessary part of the most significant resurrection that you will have. What if we actually need to be broken a little bit in order to let the light shine in? What if the cracks work both ways? It allows the light to come in, but it also allows the light to shine out into the world. What if the great spiritual pattern is that the way out of darkness is to wait and to work with hope while you're in the darkness? And you're probably saying to yourself, well, geez, John, we're 14 days away from Christmas. Thanks for the pick-me-up. One, you're welcome. Two, it is no accident that the church placed the celebration of the incarnation when the light came into the world three days after the darkest time of the year. Just let that sit in for a second. And so here's what I want you to walk away from today. Faith and doubt are flip sides of the same coin. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Certainty is the opposite of faith. It's okay if everything's not okay. You hear that? It is okay if everything's not okay. It's normal to be a little lost. It's part of the human experience to be a little in the dark. It's normal to second guess yourself to be a little unsure, and to wrestle with yourself. And yet, there is a light that shines in the darkness. Even in the darkest places where there is no pit that is deep enough that the light can't reach, where you would be alone, does not exist. There is no ocean large enough where a rescue vessel cannot find you. When Israel was in captivity, Isaiah spoke about a way being made through that desert. And in my mind, it's literally, it's like if you just head west of here, past that lake, and you find yourself in nuclear testing ground territory. That's wilderness, my friends. God can make a way out through there. When John was in prison, when he was facing the consequences of speaking a powerful truth to a powerful man, and when he was having doubts and second thoughts about Jesus, he was given enough light to bolster his faith. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, sick are healed, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. I make no promises about how long we got to wait in the dark. But I do know, I do believe that if you wait with hope, no matter what darkness it is that you're facing in your life right now, there will be a light that shines into it that the darkness cannot, will not, does not overcome. Be prepared to be surprised from where that, dark, or from where that light may enter into the darkness. 
Because I'm convinced one of the reasons God didn't call individual people and said, okay, good, you're going to be my follower over there by yourself and you're going to be my follower over there. No, he called a church together, a group, a community, an ecclesia. Is because we need each other. We need to learn, lean on each other and learn from each other when we're walking in the dark. Because we get to be the privilege of being light bearers for one another. Being strong when another is weak. We have the great privilege of speaking into each other's lives. So don't be afraid to do that. Speak the gospel. How the light has led you through the darkness to one another. And may the light of Christ continue to shine into the darkness because the darkness does not, the darkness will not, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the great witness of your church. We thank you for those who have walked and journeyed through doubts, through second-guessing, through their own darknesses, and come out the other side. Lord, help us to have the courage of following Isaiah, of following John, of following Jesus into the darkness, and trusting that your light will reach us no matter where we are. Lord, help us to be broken, so that your light can come in and reach our hearts. And Lord, allow us to be vulnerable and broken so that light could shine out through us into the world. Father, we can't do this on our own. We need your strength to do it. And so we ask your spirit and your power to guide us as we enter into this deep, dark time of year to proclaim the light of Christ which does not, cannot overcome it. Thank you again for joining us for worship here at First Presbyterian Church. I hope this time was one that was edifying and upbuilding for you and your faith and that you were drawn closer to our Lord Jesus through it. Again, you can find us on uh, YouTube and watch the whole service if you'd like to participate more fully with the worshiping life of our congregation. You can just search First Presbyterian Church Ogden in your YouTube uh, search bar, and it'll bring you to our channel. And we worship here at 880 28th Street, uh, 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. We'd love to see you here in person. Blessings to you, and grace and peace of our Lord be with you until we see you again.